But today I want to talk about the state of our soul. And if we're honest, a lot of times if someone comes up and asks you, say, hey, how, you're doing? how are you doing? What's our usual response? I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm good. But really you're not. And um, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the state of our souls, because if we're honest, sometimes we come into a place like this and we're carrying weight and we're just carrying burdens and we put a mask on. And um, this is not going to be a, a um, I don't know, like a frou-frou, namaste type message. This is going to be like biblical principles that you can apply to your life that God has said since the beginning of time that we can apply to our lives for a healthy soul. And I'm going to read from Genesis chapter two. This is going to be our text and this is a long text, but bear with me because it's important. Um, this is the beginning of creation. This is the first book of the Bible. Um, I'll give you a second to turn there. This is the first book of the Bible. This is the creation account that we see in Genesis. And we're going to start reading in Genesis 2, verse 4. It says, this is the account of the heavens and earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. No plant had sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Verse 7, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a human being, a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. I'm going to jump down to verse 15. It says, the Lord God took man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Somebody say, work it. Some of y'all had different pictures in your mind when I said, work it. And take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. There's a task to name every single animal ever created. I'm sure in the beginning it was real creative, right? Like hippopotamus, go forth, hippopotamus. A few hours later, he just named them what they were doing. Fly, right? Some of you just got that. Of out of the majestic things that fly in this world, fly got the name. <laughs> Sorry. Verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them my topic, my title for today is how to have a healthy soul. Tell your neighbor how to have a healthy soul. It's no, no secret what I'm about to talk about. We're going to talk about how to help have a healthy soul this morning. But before we do, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for bringing us to this place. And Lord, no matter what our week's been like, no matter the struggles that we're carrying, the weight that we're bearing on our shoulders, Father God. We thank you that you are peace, that you are rest. And for the next few moments, Lord, I just pray that we could lay those aside, 
and that we could focus on you because God, you're the only one that has the power to save. You're the only one that has the power to heal and deliver. And so God, we trust you and we ask that you would speak to us today. Let us receive it. Let us be practical. Let us be able to apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. One more time. Can we just give Jesus a hand clap this morning? <clears throat> um, honesty time. Ready? Is there anyone in this room who tries or at least, you know, attempts to eat healthy? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to see all the people who attempt. I attempt to. I really, I really do. I try to. Um, I heard this pastor one time, he was talking about a study, and I don't think this study is accurate, but it's funny, so I'm going to share it. But he said that like uh, someone who works out and exercises and eats healthy all the days of their life, they end up living like three months longer than a normal person. He said, I am dying with a chicken wing in my hand. <laughs> that's how I feel sometimes. Again, I don't know that that's a true study. It's probably not. It's probably a little biased. But working out is hard. Staying in shape is difficult. And um, I'm currently, I'm training, uh, I hate running. I hate it. I, I despise it. It's like next to the devil, like there's the devil and then there's running that's somewhere in there. But I, but I do it because I'm, I'm training for this event coming up in the fall. And I do stuff just to push myself, just to, you know, because if not, I'll just be sitting on the couch. Um, but working out is hard and I'm very mean to myself. I would not talk to people the way I talk to myself when I'm working out when I'm trying to tell myself to suck it up. But by nature, I'm a competitive person. I like to compete with myself, and I talk trash to myself. Uh, I, not that that's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not suggesting, you know, the Bible says to take your thoughts captive. There's some thoughts that I got to work on. But what's the point of working out? To be healthy, to live longer, right? To avoid certain diseases, right? And, uh, but though this is important, this isn't the health that I want to talk about today, because if we're real honest, like for some of us in this room, the least of our concerns are physical. Your emotions are in such disarray. Your life is in turmoil and you don't know which way is up and which way is down. If you've ever been in um, like the ocean and a wave knocks you over and you kind of just get caught. If you've ever experienced that, it's really scary because you don't know which way is up and you, you don't know which way is down and you're trying to find the air and you get to the top. <gasps> just in time for another wave to smack you in the face and you know it, you go back under. But life has a way of doing that to us. Life has a way of kicking the snot out of us. Am I right? And just like it's important for our bodies to be healthy, our souls need to be healthy. It's important. And um, sometimes this is often overlooked. I believe in physical health. I believe your body is a carrier of your destiny. And if your body slows down, your purpose slows down too. But our souls need to be healthy, our mind, our will, and our emotions, because there's this disease that every single one of us have since we were born. It's called sin. Say sin. We were born with this. This is a disease we all have. Sin simply means to miss the mark. It's an archery term, and I'm an archer, so this speaks to me. It's an archery term. When you're shooting a target and you miss the mark, the judge would say sin. It means missing the mark. And the Bible says in Romans that all of us have sinned. And fallen short of God's glory, short of his, of his standard. But some of us are letting this disease willingly inside our bodies. And the truth is, it's a slow fade. None of us wake up one morning and think, hey, I'm going to have an affair today. None of us wake up with plans to get addicted to pornography. 
None of us us wake up with plans of throwing our life away and falling into drugs and addiction and and just and, and losing everything we have. We don't wake up thinking like that. It's a slow fade. And sometimes it starts off really innocent, just a smile. Hey, that person said something to me at work and that felt really good. Sometimes that's how it started. But before you know it, you're left with a fragmented soul. I like walking through the woods. This is something I do to get away. This is something I do to um, just like just to rest. And a lot of times as I'm walking, I'll see if you've ever been in the woods and you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about. But you'll see where a predator has taken prey because you'll see a jawbone here. You'll see a femur over there. You'll see some vertebrae over there. And you know that something here died. And the Bible says that the thief, that our enemy, Satan, goes around like a uh, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And some of us, that's our souls. It's fragmented. It's broken. It's pieces. We gave one piece to this person and another piece to this addiction and another piece to that relationship. And before we know it, we're left with this broken, fragmented soul. And when sin entered our lives, it became the most destructive thing to us. But there's hope. This is why Jesus came. Right? How many are thankful for the grace of Jesus this morning? That word grace simply means undeserved unmerited favor. And before we go any further, I want you to know this morning that there is a way out of our sin. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit at the end, but there is a way out. The Bible says you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, God will provide a way out. So I want us to talk about four ways, four practical ways. These are not like mind blowing. They're not revolutionary, but they're so powerful. If you apply them to your life, I want to talk about four ways how to keep our souls healthy using God's example that he set for us in the beginning of time. So if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to, because you're going to forget everything I said, it's what happens. You spend all this time preparing, like, how can I encourage people? And then you forget it. So write it down. Number one, the first thing you can do to have a healthy soul is rest. Real, I'm telling you, this is practical. This is basic stuff, but it's so good. And I'm applying this to my own life right now. Rest. Because after working out, your muscles need what? Rest. That's where growth happens. And um, my wife and I, we just celebrated uh, six years of marriage. And uh, yeah. And we like to go outside. We like to go hiking. And so we spent the week um, somewhere around Dripping Springs, which is like west of Austin. And we just hiked for like three or four days. And at the end of every single day, we were wiped out because walking is tiring. Hiking is tiring. But we needed rest. I remember a few years ago, this is 2020, when everything went crazy, we went to the Grand Canyon in October of 2020. And I love my wife dearly. So I I carried all this stuff. This was a long hike. I carried all this stuff and she was in front of me. We went at her pace. And (laughs) I love you. I love you. Um, but, But like, if you've ever hiked the Grand Canyon, it's different because when you hike, most of the time you're hiking uphill and then you turn around and you hike downhill. The Grand Canyon is the opposite of that. You hike downhill It's like nine miles or something to where we went. And then you have to turn around and hike uphill. And so by the time you get to the top, I remember getting to the top because, you know, you're walking up the hill like this. I took my backpack off and I was still walking like this. Like I just felt the pressure on my back. There was nothing there. But I did. I did have a glorious night's sleep. We drove to Vegas at night and that's the best sleep I've ever had in my life. Anyway, our souls need rest. Our souls have to have rest because we get so drained 
going here, doing that, completing this task, building this business, going to this thing, you know, building this relationship, all that stuff is important, but we get so drained. And just recently, I believe there are more than 3 million people who have been diagnosed with anxiety or depression. I would say it's more than that. I would say it's more than that because that's the reported cases. And in 2020, we locked people in their houses. And now we're seeing the repercussions of that decision. My point is, this isn't political. My my point is, is you're not made to isolate. You're not made for this lifestyle of of going and going and, and pushing and pushing. And social media has done all but taken away our connection and our ability to be confident because we compare our lives to other people. And let me just say something. This is not God's plan for your life. It's not his plan. And I believe working hard is important. We'll get to that. But you got to know how to rest. You got to know how to push pause and take a step back and breathe. Psalms 23, verse 1, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. Somebody say nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. Have you ever been going so hard and, you know, you're on full tilt and God makes you lay down? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you just can't go any further. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes, another translation says, restores my soul. And I learned something a long time ago from Pastor Danny, and I'm so grateful for this. He said, if you find yourself doing too much and you don't have time for anything else, this means you're doing things that don't matter. Have you ever asked a question of someone like, hey, how's your day? And they're like, man, it's busy. Sorry, I asked. Busy, man, I'm busy, busy. You must be getting a lot done. You're so busy all the time, every time I talk to you. Why? Because that's how we live our lives. We live our lives busy, and um, we got to step back, and we got to take rest. See, I'm a, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly easygoing, but you haven't seen relaxed Jared until you've been in the woods with me. I'm at home in the woods, y'all. I'm, like I said, I'm from East Texas. I'm used to being in the woods. I am intensely aware of my surroundings. I'm laser focused and I am completely at peace. In fact, this this last week, almost every single morning and every single evening, I was sitting in the middle of the woods watching the sunrise and the sunset. Why? Because this is the time I feel peace the most. This is the time I feel closest to God. And it may not be outdoors or in the middle of nowhere. Whatever it is, the important thing is that you know how to find rest. You identify what works in your life and you find rest that rest because it's important. God set the example for us, by the way. He set the example for us. And what makes us think that we can go at this pace when even God set the example by resting? Genesis chapter two, verse eight says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Y'all, they didn't even have to grocery shop. Like they, they just walked up to a tree and ate its fruit. Like how awesome was that? In the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil and a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. Talk about rest. Jesus said, I will give you rest. I mentioned it earlier. Jesus said, and I didn't put this in my notes, but he said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you need to write that thing on your, on your window or window. Your, your, what's it called? Mirror. Thank you. It's a long week. I've been resting a lot this week. 
and remind yourself that God wants to give you rest. It is his plan for you to rest. And here's what I've learned. I learned this years ago, but it wasn't up until like last week. I heard it put in words and it spoke to me. I heard it on a a podcast. Shout out to the Team Church podcast. But it says, we rest to re-enter, not to escape. I want you to think about those words and think about the difference. We rest to re, some of us rest to escape. Like I'm, I'm tired of my job. I'm tired of my kids. I'm tired of my wife. None of this is true. But we rest to escape. And then when Monday comes, the problems are still there. But we're unprepared to take them on because we escaped. We didn't rest to re-enter. There's a difference. Number one is rest. Number two, say this, restriction. Restriction. On the count of three, I want everyone in the room to say the word no. One, two, three. No. Doesn't that feel good? Hey, are you free this weekend? Hey, it's Saturday night. And you got, you know, you're serving on the dream team this morning. Shout out to our volunteers. Do you want to go out late? No. (laughs) This is fun. You got to be smart with your no, though. You got to be strategic. Because um, you can only say no to your boss so many times. Will you have a job? No. (laughs) Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You see, people have this concept that saying no is a bad thing, but it's not. Sometimes saying no is a good thing. Like if I were to offer you poison and said, drink this, hopefully you would say no. But so many times we inject poison into our lives in whatever form because we have the inability to say no. Why no sleeping around? Why no straining ourselves from alcohol and drugs? Because ultimately somebody is going to get hurt. And it may not even be a bad thing. It may not even be sin. You could be just giving too much of yourself to others because you love them, but you're not taking time to take care for yourself. So saying no is good for your soul. Say it again. Say no. No. Because I've got to look out for me because if I'm not healthy, nothing else matters. I've got to look out for me. And this is going to set someone free. You cannot please everybody. I'll say it again for the people in the back. You cannot please everybody, so stop trying. Someone's going to disagree with you. Someone's not going to see eye to eye with you. And here's the thing. Some of the people you're trying to please don't even care about you. You see, I I want to be healthy, but I also love Oreos. Love them. Milk's favorite cookie. It wasn't until last week I realized that double stuff was spelt with one F. Anyone else realize that? I just realized that. Some of you are realizing it right now. There's no two Fs and stuff. But what are those things in your life that you need to get rid of? Because God's got so much for you. Don't waste your time on things that aren't helping you. Things that don't line up with your purpose. You see, there's a filter that I use for every decision that I make, whether it's in my job, whether it's in my personal life, whatever it is, my marriage, there's a filter that I make decisions through. And it's a simple question. It says, would the future Jared appreciate this decision I'm making right now? And if future Jared wouldn't, I don't make that decision because the decisions I make shape who I'm going to be and they're going to shape where I'm going. So he said, you can eat from any tree in the garden. Just don't touch that one. Sometimes it's good to say. 
No. Number three, responsibility. (gasps) Felt the air leave the room. It said the Lord God took man. This is verse 15 and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Despite what culture is telling you, work is a gift. The ability to get up and provide for your family is a gift from God. Don't be afraid to work. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to work hard. I know there's people out there trying to give you free stuff for not working. Don't be afraid. If you have the ability, if you have the strength, now there's, there's exceptions, but if you have the ability to work, it is godly to work. It's God's plan for us. The opposite of that is laziness. And I don't want to be, that's one of my pet peeves. I don't want to be considered a lazy person. I will not be considered a lazy person because God has given us so many gifts and so many talents. And with that comes responsibilities. You see, I have certain responsibilities. You have certain responsibilities. The people who showed up this morning at 6 a.m. to set up the parking lot and to check your kids in. Can we just give it up for all of our volunteers? The people who are here serving, the people that you don't see behind us. We all have responsibilities because we all contribute to something. We are all working towards something. Pastor says it like this. You've never lived your life until you lived it in such a way that you're making a difference in somebody else's life. I know that came out weird, but that's what I'm trying to say. If you don't work. Get ready to be homeless. Scripture is filled. Proverbs is filled with verses warning us about laziness. Here's one. Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. A job well done is good for the soul. I feel so good. And maybe there's some guys that can relate. Maybe women too. If like you just mowed your yard and you step, I do it every time I mow my yard and then I stand in the front like this. This is my kingdom. It is well-groomed. The edges are edged. I don't know. But it feels good because hard work is good for the soul. Laying your head down at night, knowing that you gave it your all, that's good for the soul. So with our gifts, we we have a responsibility. So last one, number four. I told you this is going to be practical. Relationship. Relationship. This is one of, if not the most important ones. Because we're not meant to do life by ourselves. We're not meant to do life alone. We're not meant to be in isolation. We're not meant to be an island unto ourselves. There's a show I'm in love with. It's called Alone. That's literally what it's called, Alone. I believe it's on the History Channel. If you've ever seen this show, raise your hand. Awesome. There is a, like I said, I'm an outdoors person. So this is, this is fun for me, but these people are, they, they are dropped kind of in the middle of nowhere. Usually it's somewhere in the Arctic and they want to see who can last the longest. And they are completely and utterly by themselves. They have some equipment, uh, equipment, and they have some cameras to film themselves. But other than that, they're completely alone. There's no film crew, nothing. They are in the middle of the wilderness and they sometimes face grizzly bears and, and wolverines and the, the frigid temperatures, it drops, everything freezes. But the thing that sends them home the most isn't the grizzly bears. It isn't even the lack of food. It's the loneliness. They miss their friends. They miss their family. That's what sends them home because you and I are not meant to do life alone. 
Verse 18, then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, uh, creature, that was its name. So the man gave all the names to the livestock. Verse 21. Verse 20 says, but for Adam, there was no suitable helper. So the Lord God caused him to go in a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, sleeping, he took a rib, closed up the place with flesh, and he made woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Companionship is so important. And I don't want to understate this. I thank God every single day for the relationships in my life. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my family. I thank God for my coworkers. I'm going to say that again for some of you. I thank God for my coworkers. I thank God for the relationships in my life. This is why we talk about small groups ad nauseum till we're blue in the face because we understand the importance of right relationships. Pastor says it. Life moves at the speed of relationships. You need people. I need people in my life who are going to lift me up, who are going to pray for me. There's people that I text when I'm, when I'm needing prayer. There's people that I text immediately and they respond back. I'm praying for you. We need those relationships. Listen to me. You are not meant to do life alone. I know you think you're tough and I know you think it's cool to do things by yourself. I get it. I'm a doer. I like to be alone, but you cannot get through the storms of life by yourself. It will not happen. I promise you that. And I only say that because I thought I could, but I'm so grateful for the relationships in my life that got me where I am now. And the truth is there are relationships that are are good for the soul. And there are some that aren't. There are some relationships that are bad your soul. And some of you right now are in a relationship with friends, maybe in your dating life, whatever the case. And these relationships are continuing to pull you down. And every time you're around that person, you feel spiritually and emotionally drained. And it's not God's plan for you. And your soul is in turmoil. And so I want to give you permission this morning to sever some of those relationships. I'm not saying be a jerk. I'm not saying just completely cut people out of your lives, but you gotta know who you hang around with. Are they making you better? Or are they wearing you out? It's like standing on a chair. I've heard people say this when I've talked with people in relationships. They're like, maybe, I, maybe I'll just pray and God will change them. It's like standing on a chair trying to pull someone up, it's much easier for them to pull you down. And some of us live our lives like that. If I could just pull them up, if I could just pull them up, and the whole time they're just weighing you down, and God's got this extraordinary plan for your life, but you're too busy, stuck in old relationship patterns. You keep going back to that person every time he lights up your phone. You keep going back to those relationships that are toxic. You keep going back to the people who have hurt you, and you're wondering why you're soul is fragmented. You're wondering why you're tired and you're weary. It's because relationships matter and right relationships are important. And if you don't have people, or excuse me, if you do have people in your life who love you, who are honestly trying to help you, don't push them away. Don't push them away. And if there are friends who are pulling you down, reevaluate those relationships. So to recap, rest 
restriction, responsibility, and relationships. If you need a cool acronym, it's just err. I couldn't spell anything out. The beauty of it is, though, your soul does not have to be dependent on your circumstances. I'll say it again. The state of your soul, the state of your mind, your will and emotions do not have to be dependent on what's happening around you. Because there are times, trust me, when I worship in the middle of the storm. And it may look good on the outside, but on the inside, I'm dying. On the inside, I'm in turmoil, but it does not stop me from worshiping my creator. It does not stop me from lifting up the name of Jesus. Because to be honest, if my, if my soul, the state of my soul was dependent on circumstances, well, I would be one tragically depressed human being. Because if you're like me, I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not alone up here. That you've walked through some things that could have taken you out but you're still here and God has a plan for your life. And I want you to know that even if you're marching around the walls of Jericho, like scripture says, you marched around them six times and you don't see any bricks or anything falling. Keep moving, keep walking because on that seventh lap, the wall is coming down. And so whatever it is, whatever it is in your life, trust God. Keep moving, but you got to have the right relationships to keep you moving sometimes when you don't feel like moving for yourself. You don't have to be dependent on your circumstances. You can stand in the middle of your chaos. You can stand in the middle of your storm and say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And I know that's a, a beautiful song. But I don't want you to miss the message behind this song. And maybe you've heard this story, but it's it's. It's worth repeating. The song, It Is Well, many of you know it, was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You don't know either. But he has a, has a family, and their son, when, was, when he was four years old, their son, Horatio Jr., died suddenly of scarlet fever. Then one year later, in October of 1871, a massive fire swept through downtown Chicago, devastating the city, including many properties that he owned. That day, almost 300 people lost their lives and 100,000 people were made homeless. Despite their own substantial financial losses, Spafford sought to demonstrate the love of Christ by assisting those who were grief-stricken and in great need. Two years later, in 1873, Spafford decided his family should take a holiday in England, knowing that his friend, the evangelist D.L. Moody, would be preaching there in, the, in autumn. Horatio was delayed because of business, so he sent his family ahead, his wife and their four remaining children, all daughters, 11, 9, 5, and 2. But on November the 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on the steamship, their vessel was struck by an iron selling ship. 226 people lost their lives within 12 minutes. And all four of Horatio's daughters perished. But remarkably, Anna, his wife, survived the tragedy. Those that were rescued, including Anna, were found unconscious, floating on a plank of woods. Subsequently, they arrived 
in South Wales. And upon their arrival, Anna immediately sent a telegram to her husband, which included the words, saved alone. Receiving Anna's message, he set off at once to be reunited with his wife. So rewind. He lost his son. And then a couple years later, lost all four of his remaining children. So he's on his way to get reunited with his wife. And on this particular day during the voyage, the captain summoned him to the bridge of the vessel, pointing to his charts. And he explained to them that they are over the very spot where his daughters had died. Spafford returned to his cabin. And the first line he wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way. If you know the song, it's called, It Is Well With My Soul. So in the middle of his struggle, immense struggle, immense loss, I can't even fathom what that was like for him. At the very spot he lost his family, he wrote down in a prayer to God, it is well with my soul. It doesn't have to be going well around you for the condition of your soul to be well. I want to take a moment. I want us to stand to our feet. And I've asked the team that we just sing these words. Church is not over. We have a couple more things. But I want to sing this song, It Is Well. And here's the thing. I remember in the middle of my struggles, I would tell myself it is well, even when I didn't believe it. But eventually, my faith was activated because faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And so maybe you're in a place right now and it doesn't feel well with your soul. I get it. I've been there. But I want us to sing this song as a declaration of faith that says, no matter what I'm facing, the wind and the waves, the storms of life, whatever it is, it is well with my soul. Let's sing this song.
I want to pray for a couple of groups of people. The first, I just want to pray for people who have a tired soul. And maybe because of the circumstances of life, maybe you just lost your job, maybe you lost a family member or a relationship, whatever it is, God knows, and you're tired. And you've come in here and you've smiled and it's like that commercial, there's like an antidepressant commercial where they're holding a smiley face in front of their face. They're masking their emotions. And that's what you feel like right now, that you gotta put it on for everyone. You gotta smile, gotta fake it till you make it. But if you're honest, you're broken inside. So that's the first group of people I wanna pray for. And if you're in the room, I'm just gonna ask you to take a bold step. If your soul is tired, if your soul is heavy, I just want to ask you to slip up your hands so that we can pray for you, that we can come together as one church family. Awesome. If you see someone around you with their hand raised, would you just point your hand in the direction of them or just place your hand on their shoulder? Because we're a family here at Skybreak Church, and you're not meant to carry this struggle by yourself. Thank you. God, I pray for every single person right now with a heavy soul, with the weary soul, their mind, their will, and emotions are in a wreck. They don't know up from down. Father God, first of all, I, I thank you that your word says you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that even till the ends of the age, you were there. And so, Father, I pray right now that your spirit would rest on your people, those who are struggling, those who are, are, are carrying heavy weights and heavy burdens, God, that your spirit would just rest on them and bring them peace. Lord, your word says that you are peace. You're not, you don't, you don't just offer peace or give peace. You do that, but you are peace. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are the God of peace. And so, Father, I pray that right now over their weary souls, over their heaviness. Lord, your word also says, for the spirit, spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. And so, God, when we feel heavy, when we feel weighed down and burdened by life, that we would put on the garment of praise, that we would turn on some music, that we would put on some worship, whatever we gotta do, and just bask in your presence and just worship the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. God, and when we do that, we know that sorrow may last through the night, but your joy comes in the morning. So Father, I pray peace. I pray restoration over every person with a fragmented soul. I pray restoration over every person who is broken and hurting and it's tired. We thank you, like your word says, that we can cast all of our cares on you because you care about us. There is no care too small or too big. God, if we're concerned with it, you're concerned with it because you love us. And so we thank you that we can lay those at your feet this morning and receive peace and receive healing in our lives. The second group of people I wanna pray for is for those who want to make a decision to invite Jesus into your heart. This is the most important relationship of all. And no matter how much you try, your, your soul will never be home until you give it to Jesus. Because you've tried and you're still left feeling the same way. 
The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you would just believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is by grace you have been saved, not works, so that no man can boast, the Bible says. You can't earn it. You can't do enough to deserve the grace of God. He offers it to you. And the only thing you have to do, your part, is to receive it. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what scripture says. And so with no one looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to send an invitation to you this morning. And if you want to make that decision to invite Jesus into your heart, I want to pray with you. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand because I believe something happens when you take that outward step of faith. Something happens on the inside. You're telling yourself, you're telling those around you, you're telling the devil that you are making a decision to follow Jesus. And so if you want to make that decision and invite him into your heart, the Bible says your sins are forgiven. They are separated from you as far as the east is from the West. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see you for your flaws, your mistakes, your mess ups, your failures. He sees you through the lens of grace, undeserved favor, and he sees you as forgiven. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to count to three. And I just want you to slip up your hands so I know who to pray with. One, two, three. If that's you this morning, you want to make that decision. I see your hand. I see it. God bless you. God bless you. I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up. Come on, church. Hands going up. I see it. I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. People are making decisions. I see it. I see it. God bless. God bless. Thank you, God. Awesome. You can put your hands down. I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer after me, whether you've prayed it before or not. Just pray it to support the people making that decision. Say, dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person. God, I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm set free. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me. I make you the Lord and the leader of my life. I receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with those who made the most important decision of their life? Welcome to the family of God.